Hello and welcome to another episode of Broke Bitch Anonymous. I am on the verge of tears, which is of course the perfect time to start recording an episode. If there ever was any, it's now. But I want to apologize for the fact that we, well, why am I pluralizing myself? I missed an episode last week. I want to say we, like there's someone sitting beside me. Like this, this is a big team operation, but we all know that's that's a lie. Um, so I'm sorry I missed an episode last week. I was preparing for my vacation, which I was very, very, very excited about, only because I felt like I hadn't left Atlanta in a while. And even though that might not necessarily be true, you know, I had gone to well, really just Miami over the last couple months before then you know, before I went to like Aspen and New York and whatever, but nothing too crazy. But I mean, I had been doing a bit of traveling, but none of the traveling was really just for a vacation. To be honest, I can't remember the last time I took a vacation besides this trip, because even before when I was traveling a lot, all of my trips were work-related, meaning that they were free because whether the hotel or the location or the newspaper or whatever, whoever was paying for it, it wasn't me. But in exchange, what was expected of me was like, produce fucking work, bitch. Like, don't just sit here and lie on the beach and be on vacation. You can squeeze a bit of that in, but just going on a vacation for the sake of, I'm not doing anything except what I want to do. I hadn't done that in a really long time. So I was really looking forward to it. Plus, it's been a bit of a rough, it's been a bit of a rough couple months, obviously. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's just, it's a transition time. It's a different time. I don't know how to describe it and I'm going to get into it in this episode. But anyway, I was really looking forward to it. So that last weekend when I had, I mean, I did have the time to record I just didn't have, I felt the mental capacity to do it. And also Roe versus Wade had just been struck down. And I felt very, to be honest, I'm not usually a very emotional person when it comes to politics. Um, I don't believe really in either party, to be honest with you. I don't believe that the Democrats are a party of freedom. I mean, that's a party that wants to control what you're allowed to say online, what you are fucking allowed to put in your body and I'm talking more about the COVID vaccine that's a party that wants to control you to to a large extent like they want you to drive electric cars they want to control your guns you know neither that's not a party of freedom but the Republicans they're it's not a party of freedom either they want to control if you're allowed to have a fucking child they want to control if you're smoking weed they want to control So many other things, if uh, God forbid, like, I don't know if you're allowed to, I mean, this is legal now, but who knows where we go? Like if you're allowed to marry someone of the same sex, I don't know what, I'm not even going to go down the, the dark hole of what ifs of what could be reversed, but neither party is a party of freedom. And I, for a while have felt very alienated from both sides. I don't enjoy either side of politics in a way that I feel it relates to me. I don't feel that it has helped me ever. Um, not, I guess that's, that's dumb to say. I can't say ever, but it's just something I don't really feel that emotional about usually, but this whole Roe versus Wade thing 
it actually did affect me and it really pissed me off more than anything else because I was just shocked and I continue to be shocked by how many men had the tenacity to still try to argue with me over Instagram about my very, very, I thought, vanilla posts, which pretty much said, like, my family lives in Poland. Abortion is illegal in Poland. It's fully illegal. There's almost no circumstances where you can get an abortion in the country of Poland. And women still find ways to get abortion. So making it illegal will not stop it. It will make it more dangerous and it will make it more difficult to access for women who don't have the money to travel to go get a fucking abortion. So anyway, I was, I'm shocked by, I was shocked by how many people still wanted to argue with me and call me like not necessarily a baby killer, but feel like they were so right and be and to be so righteous in their arguments of well it's actually it was always unconstitutional Roe versus Wade was always unconstitutional it's not your constitutional right to get an abortion and it's actually better now that people get to decide whether or not abortion should be allowed and it goes back to the states here's what I've realized in those arguments you can't argue with a crazy person Like, you can't argue with a psychopath who has no empathy whatsoever for what a woman or what somebody might be going through. You cannot argue with someone where the center of their logic is not holding whatsoever. Like, you just, you, there's no argument you can really make that is rational that they will understand because they're not rational people. They're, it's not, it's not going to work. So... What do I even want to say about this? I completely forgot what the fuck my my main point is. I'm just stuck. Now I'm like having flashbacks to these messages that I was getting. But with all of that going on and the fact that I was about to escape Atlanta for a little bit and go on this little vacation, I just didn't feel that I had the mental capacity to record. I mean, what is there to say? What is there even to say about something like Roe versus Wade being repealed other than the fact that yes, it goes back to the states, but the problem is people who are pro-life, they already want to make abortion illegal across the board. It's not like this is a this is a simple issue of oh it goes back to the states so it's better no pro-lifers want to make abortion illegal if you think it stops here I'm sorry to tell you but I believe you're wrong this is a very polarizing issue and unfortunately the goalpost has been pushed further in the direction of abortion becoming illegal across the country and who knows where that goes from there so you realize you're not arguing with a rational person and it did depress me just a lot. It was, I mean, it's a weird thing, especially because being pregnant while this is happening, a lot of states, you know, I think in Georgia, you were allowed to get an abortion up until 20 weeks, I believe. And now I'm 16 weeks, 15 weeks. So even though I've decided I'm not getting an abortion, I, for me, the window feels like it, it closed a while ago. There was something still about knowing that the option exists to me just in case I need it. Like if something goes horribly wrong, knock on wood, if there's like a medical emergency, if something 
God forbid happens that the option does exist and knowing that it doesn't is a very scary it's a very scary reality for women to live in. I mean, being pregnant in itself is fucking terrifying enough. Like every morning I wake up and I'm like, I can't believe that this is happening. And sometimes I'm so happy and I'm so grateful. And even though there's this undercurrent of gratitude that runs through all of my fears also, there's other times where I, I look at my life in like February and March before I was pregnant and I'm like, what the fuck happened to her? Like my, my life was so much more simple and my worries were so much more simple then. And it's not that I wish I could go back there and I mourn that time. Everybody needs to grow up and we just do it at our own pace. And sometimes we don't expect it to happen as fast as it does. But when I look at myself only a few months ago and I think of what my concerns were, it is hard to not be a little bit sad about it sometimes and just be like, damn, like <laughs> what happened? I mean, I know what happened, but how, how did it, how did it go down like this? And I think the reason why, anyway, I mean, just to fit, wrap up the abortion thing, that's why I didn't record an episode. I, I, I feel very sad for all of the women who, will not have the same access to abortion that I have had. But I also feel sad for the country, even for the pro-life people who think this is a victory, because I actually think this is a loss for everyone because it it's only shown how polarized we are even more. Like it, if this is a victory, this is the worst victory of all time because we are, we've become so polarized and this is just an exacerbation of that, that there's no way, like we have become this reality show to the rest of the world almost, where how can we stand together to fight on bigger issues when like we are so polarized and, you know, arguably we always, we have been for a while, but this just showed off how polarized we are. And I really think this is a loss for everyone. Like it's really divided the country even more and it didn't need to be any more divided. And I just think, I think it's fucking sad. Um, I, it's weird because I found myself agreeing so much lately with people who I guess are pro-life in a lot of their other beliefs. Like because I'm very much against the COVID vaccine, very much against it. And the more research I've been doing lately... Well, actually, somebody died. This guy, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, died a few days ago, and he was a pioneer for inventing some of the early treatments to treat COVID. But the weird thing was he never got any coverage in the mainstream press, even though his early treatments like ivermectin and zinc and all these things did work and did save a lot of people's lives. They would have saved a lot more if early treatment was even allowed in the beginning of COVID, but the more research I have done on the vaccine, one, because my first OBGYN was really pr pressuring me into getting it while pregnant. And I'm I, I, obviously I'm not fucking getting it, but because doctors are so quick to say that it's safe and to say that it's absolutely safe for pregnant women. And you know, there's no chance anything could go wrong. If something does go wrong, it's your fault. It's not the vaccine. It just made me want to research more because while I personally had closed the book on the COVID vaccine, 
it's hard to ignore the fact that there are people literally right now who've had four shots, okay? They had their first two and then they got two boosters and they're sick as hell and they literally think everything has worked out fine. They're still clinging to the narrative that everything is fucking fine. It's not fine, okay? <laughs> like, I don't know what I need to tell people. There's nothing you can really say to get someone to, I mean, for lack of a better term, just wake up if they don't want to see it. But you got four shots. You're sick as hell. It's not working, okay? A fifth shot is not going to save you. This didn't work. You were lied to. You were literally lied to. Biden told you you could not get COVID if you got the vaccine. It was a lie. And there are scientists, scientists who have come out on record saying that that was never proven. The government just told us that in, you know, this attempt of hope. And it's not just the U.S. government. It's Canada. Canada is way more guilty, in my opinion. Trudeau is a fucking dictator when it comes to this stuff. I mean, Canada literally locked down its own people who were unvaccinated, didn't allow them to travel, didn't allow them to get on planes, trains, anything. My mother, who was still in Canada at the time, who was unvaccinated, who is unvaccinated, thank God. And by the way, even the term unvaccinated is so fucked because I'm quote unquote unvaccinated, but I have all of my vaccines. I have my normal vaccines, my childhood vaccines. I got all of those. So why am I considered unvaccinated when I have like, 90% of the vaccines, if you don't include the COVID vaccine, because it's four shot, whatever. Like I, I got, it's just, it's such a diluted term. But anyway, she couldn't get on a fucking plane. She couldn't get on a train. She was effectively stranded in Vancouver. The only way she could get out was like to get on an international flight with a medical exemption. If she couldn't move within her own country. It's so sad. But anyway, the more, I have, the more research I've done on this, the more solidified I am in my belief that like, and this, I mean, my podcast is not big, so I'm, I have no fears of like being taken down from Spotify. I, maybe I should, but when you look at the basis, and I, and I know I'm not a doctor and some people might be cringing listening to this, but I'm sorry, whatever. My point is I found myself agreeing more and more with these people who end up falling in this on the side of pro-life, not out of any decision to be just some kind of idiot contrarian or out of my lack of knowledge, but because I have seen like repeatedly time and time again, I literally know more people who've been injured by the vaccine than have been seriously ill from COVID. A comedian in Toronto that I knew when I was living there who was really good friends with my ex-boyfriend, he just, after three doses, he just died in his sleep. And there will be people who say, oh, well, that's just a coincidence that he got three doses and he felt sick and he died. It's a coincidence. No, it's not. Healthy adults who are 32 don't just die in their sleep for no reason. It's, it's not how life works. And the fact that we are constantly being lied to and deluded into thinking that, oh, yeah, you can just die in your sleep when you're 30 and you're perfectly healthy and you don't do drugs and you're fine. No, you don't. Something happens, Okay. And the fact that these rates of adults dying in their sleep have gone up so much that now, like, what's it called? SADS, I guess they're calling it, is becoming this popularized term. It's disgusting. It's really disgusting that this is going on and we're still not allowed to talk about it and link it back to the vaccine. I, I mean, anyone who got the vaccine, 
I hope it's fine. Like I'm not wishing ill on anyone, obviously, but just me personally deciding to vaccinate my kid, deciding to vaccinate myself with anyone close to me. I really believe that it is not the right way to go. This is not, I'm going full fucking anti-vax mode now, but no, this is just, it's the last thing I will say. And if you want to learn more about this, a really good place to start is Dr. Michael Yidon. I hope I'm saying that right. He is the former VP and chief scientist of Pfizer in England. He retired, I don't know when, but he is the former chief scientist and VP of Pfizer, okay? This guy studied and created vaccines for over 30 years. When you study and create vaccines for over 30 years, you have, you're very pro-vaccine. And I, myself, I am pro-vaccine in a lot of other instances. So don't put me in some weird-ass category that I don't believe I belong in. But Michael Yeadon, Dr. Michael Yeadon, the former Pfizer guy, has a lot of, and he hasn't been covered in any sense by any mainstream news because they're afraid that, like, they're afraid of what he's saying going against the grain of the mainstream narrative, which is, well, which was get the vaccine and you can't get sick. That was a lie. Get the vaccine and you'll, it's prevent you from getting COVID and becoming seriously ill. That was a lie because people will be hospitalized. I mean, you'll believe what you want to believe, but his, his argument obviously goes very much against the grain of the mainstream narrative. And it is a very, he is a very good resource if you want to learn more about the differences between the COVID vaccine and the other regular vaccines like measles, mumps, rubella, all of those other things that are given to children and adults sometimes when they need it. The main difference is that those, let's call them traditional vaccines, they inject pretty much a dead virus um, with some... I wrote this down. I have this written down somewhere. Let me let me find my notes so I can say this properly. I mean, it's it doesn't even matter. The traditional vaccines, you're injecting a dead virus, okay? So your body picks it up, learns how to fight it off. Usually then you are immune for life or a very long time. You're good to go. With the Pfizer and Moderna COVID vaccines, you are injecting mRNA technology which is genetic code. So you are injecting your body with a opportunity to write different genetic code. And what that genetic code is writing is it's building spike proteins and everyone builds a different amount of spike proteins. And you can't control how much your body is going to build or not build. Everybody reacts differently. So the possibilities literally could go in billions of different directions. There, are, There's no limit and there is no sense of control. Everybody reacts differently. That's why some people have no reaction and they say, I'm fine. I have, you know, I had no side effects. Stop complaining. And some people die. You can control it. You cannot control it. So Dr. Michael Yeadon, former Pfizer VP and chief scientist, great resource to start from there. But I say all this to say that with everything that's been going on in the world, I have found myself more inclined with this, like, I guess, kind of Republican line of thinking, for better or worse, because a lot of, I mean, even like Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, like, I'm not from Florida, but I very much support him saying that, you know, we are not going to really support vaccinating children. Parents have the option if they want to, vaccinate children against COVID, I should say. Parents have the option if they want to, but it is not something that we are going to mandate. It is not something where the risks outweigh 
or the benefits outweigh the risks. Children have a very, 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 very low percent chance of getting very sick from COVID. And they have a pretty high percent chance of having a side effect from these quote unquote vaccines, which are more really like injections, not really like traditional vaccines. But anyway, because I have found myself siding more with these types of beliefs, which is weird. I never, I never was like a Republican person ever. Like I remember when, I mean, I was also younger and people always say that like when you're younger, you're more liberal or Democrat. And then as you get older, you become more Republican. And that's like the traditional political trajectory of the average person. So arguably maybe I was just following that line, but I just have never, I never saw myself in that way. But then I found that I had to go to these alternative news platforms to find a lot of this information because it just wasn't being covered by CNN, which, or the New York times, which now to me feel like a place where you can go literally like this is going to sound extreme, but I take CNN as seriously as I take Alex Jones. You can go for entertainment. You might learn a few things. They're right sometimes, but you cannot listen to everything they say like it's gospel. You have to listen to it through a filter of like rational thinking. So that was a big change for me because before when I was growing up, I always thought, you know, CNN, the New York Times, all of these platforms. I mean, I was a journalist. These platforms to me were like a beacon of truth and, you know, uh, an authoritative voice. And I just feel like I saw that completely disintegrate, especially during COVID. But anyway, with this whole Roe versus Wade being repealed, I've realized that, well, more than anything, I think we were beginning to romanticize Trump's presidency. I think like it became kind of normal for people to say, oh, like bring big T back. At least when Trump was president, you know, we had more money, gas was lower, things were better whatever, whatever. And it was like, we forgot how cruel a lot of his policies and him as a person were. And I understand because now we have like a corpse for a president kind of, I mean, I don't know what's going on with Biden. I have no comment, but it was weird to me how when Trump first got elected in 2016, the majority of people, at least who I knew, were devastated. And now in 2022, watching more and more people romanticize his presidency. And I think, if anything, this Roe versus Wade being repealed, Roe versus Wade falling in front of our faces, should be a reminder that Trump was not the greatest president <laughs> and that the Republicans, as much as the Democrats have a very strong mean streak that runs through them in terms of, well, especially the extreme left, like in terms of wokeness and cancel culture. And, you know, even if you want to take it to like late term abortions, there was a woman in, in a protest I saw. She, she looked like she was nine months pregnant and she on her belly said, like, still not a life or something. I mean, to me, it's a little it's a little much. But again, you can't argue, you can't argue with people on the extreme left or the extreme. You can't. They're, we're not talking in reality anymore. But with the whole falling of Roe versus Wade, I think at least for me and I hope for others, whatever your political beliefs are, that 
some of the rose-colored glasses of Trump's presidency came off because this was the result of his presidency. Like he did elect the two, was it two, I think, two or three? I don't know. I think, I don't know. This is why I need someone else with me. Um, Supreme Court justices that got in and took Roe versus Wade away. So that's my whole spiel on fucking that. Not that it really matters. It's just such a, it feels, it just feels, I, I, I really have nothing to say about it, but so much to say about it. But anyway, in terms of my vacation, what a weird, what a weird trip it was. Okay, first of all, and I know I've said this a bunch, I know I've said this a bunch, and I'm, I'm trying to speak less about pregnancy in general because I know it's not exactly the most relatable topic. And even once you've probably been through it, I can't imagine you really want to reflect that much on it because it is a very painful time I've found in a woman's life. Um, I imagine it's one of those things that maybe that you have a few nice pictures, but you kind of block out all of the pain and you don't really wish to revisit it much more than that. Because like any trauma, your brain, your body just kind of blocks out the bad parts in order for you to keep functioning and living fucking life. So I'm trying to make a conscious effort to speak less about pregnancy. However, it's difficult for me because it's obviously a big part of my life right now. But also because I have noticed how much people will... I mean, the saying goes like people will really show you you know, their true colors when you really need them or something like that. There's a million sayings to that effect. And that is very true, but I never, ever, ever imagined that people would show their true colors to this extent to me and that a lot of those colors or those reactions would be so fucking heartbreaking because most people will... I don't, I don't want to say most people will completely abandon you, but most people have completely abandoned me. Like, I don't know if I was just that friend that people called to get drunk with, or, I mean, I kind of was in some ways, at least at the strip club, but, or if I was the girl who men called because they knew that they could like fuck around with me, but I would never, they, I would never put pressure on them to like take it too seriously. I mean, it has to be all of these things, right? Because now that I'm pregnant and I'm not drinking and I'm not like hooking up with anyone or I'm not really entertaining any men at all, the tone has completely shifted to just fucking radio silence. Like people that I thought were my friends, men that I thought were my friends as much as they were also whatever else they were, everybody has disappeared. And I guess that was my own naivete. But one of the other reasons why I didn't record last week is because I was very stressed out and I was embarrassed, honestly. I was really embarrassed because first, when I booked this vacation, I had booked it for me and a friend of mine who... I'm not even going to say too much about her because I don't. it doesn't matter who it is, but... We were supposed to go together. We were going to split the driving time to Florida. 
And she confirmed 100%. I paid for the hotel because, well, it doesn't really make sense for me to pay for the whole hotel, in, in all honesty. She's working. I'm not. Um, however, I still did it because I was like, you know, I'm the one who wants to go. I want this to happen for sure. And she was like, yeah, I'm 100% in. Like, we'll split the driving. Like, boom, let's go. Okay, cool. Last week, she canceled on me. And it was after the point where I could get a refund. I couldn't get a refund anymore. So here I am with this reservation for this beautiful beach town, like really nice hotel with no one to go with. And as much as I, I mean, at the time, I couldn't even fathom going alone, to be honest, because I'm like, normally I'd be okay. But I feel like at, I was like, people are going to look at me crazy, like, I'm pregnant. I'm alone. What am I going to do? Ask random people to take pictures of me pregnant. Like the, something that feels so personal about those pictures. I don't want to straight, like that just feels so sad and desperate to me. I just, I can't, I felt so like betrayed and shitty about the whole thing. So thankfully I have other friends. I thought, I mean, I do kind of. And so at first I was like, okay, there are two people that came to mind. One is my friend who is from Tampa and goes down there all the time, drives down all the time. So I was like, this would be easy. And I wonder if she's already even maybe planning to go down. You know, she always does the drive. So it would be convenient. She probably knows the area because I stayed like a beach, like an hour outside of Tampa. Um, she first she was like, maybe. And then she couldn't make it, which understandable. I mean, it was last minute. And then my, I have another friend who's pregnant right now also, but she's like a little bit further along than me, but still she's been dealing with a similar thing of like an absent, like baby father and kind of it's her first child. And like, we've been dealing with, you know, very similar things. So I was like, okay, I feel like I should ask her because at least who like, at least she won't be, you know, wanting to go out and drink and party and stuff. Like we're both going to be kind of in the same boat. We could both, both probably use some time away, but so I asked her, she said, yes, we agreed to split the driving. Everything's cool, right? <laughs> Everything's cool. I'm like, okay, it's been a bit of a change of plans, but we good. Like I'm still going. I still have a friend with me. Like we're going to be straight. And then <laughs> you guys, so we're supposed to leave on Monday morning, right? Saturday, I, I wake up to a DM from her saying she can't go anymore it's Saturday and we're leaving in like a day pretty much. So who the fuck can go on in a day's notice on a trip? Plus most of my friends, like, I don't know that I have a bunch of them, but like one of my closest friends lives out of state. Two of my close friends actually live out of state. Like now I'm asking people to fly in for a couple days. Like it's a whole, now we're doing way too much. Okay. So immediately I'm like I'm not gonna be able to find anyone to go with me and it even crosses my mind to text my baby daddy and be like first of all I would have to text him being like just checking to see if I'm still blocked which I don't think I am but that's another thing another story but um it even crossed my mind to reach out to him I'm like I wonder if we can like you know mend things up I wonder if we can figure this out maybe this is our chance like and then I have to like snap back to reality and 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 remember the situation, which is like, he literally wanted to kill me. Um, so I can't really fuck with him like that at all, or at least right now. Um, and I'm, I'm just realizing like, I have, I have no options. This, this sucks. 
And I don't want to first I'm like, okay, I'll just drive down alone. It's going to be fine. I'm, I'm just thug it out. Like it's fine. I'd rather still go and then, you know, not lose my over a thousand dollars that I already paid for the room for two nights. So anyway, long story short, I ended up flying down there alone, which was the best decision, I think, because it was faster. It was safer, I think, than me just driving down for seven hours alone. And it was actually really nice. I made it work. I made it work. I got my pictures in. I didn't have to share a room with anybody. They actually upgraded me to an executive suite when I got there, which was amazing. So I had like a full kitchen, full living room, two balconies, like this beautiful bathroom. All to myself, it was very nice (laughs) and it was very necessary. However, there were so many things about it that were like, not so many things, but a lot of the service amenities were very bad and it just made me but very expensive and it just made me realize once again that what we used to think of as the standard of quality versus price has changed with this new inflation that we are now facing like you used to think you would go to a cafe and if you had to pay ten dollars for a coffee and a pastry you could expect some level of quality from that purchase because ten dollars is a lot for a coffee and like a croissant or something it's not you know it's not cheap like cheap is like four dollars five dollars for both of those things if you're paying ten dollars for that you expect it to be like fucking nice you know i better get a really nice flaky french croissant and some really good like real good ass coffee okay i want my coffee to be from fucking where Ethiopia or something like I don't want some house blend bullshit I like I need my fair trade single origin sourced fucking coffee beans ground on the spot and I digress but when I say that the food that I had the entire trip was so atrocious and yet so expensive I don't want to be the type of person who complains about these sort of things in a sense because it's like I just feel like complaining about food like just really ripping it apart and complaining about is just so dumb but it was so fucking bad and it was so expensive I will spare you the details but it just made me realize like the standards we used to have The standards we used to have are dissipating. They are going away. And the weirdest part to me was like, I made some friends at the resort. There was this one woman who was actually also from Atlanta or like she's from some area, you know, just outside of Atlanta and Georgia. And she was telling me how all the food they had was great. And they had eaten at a lot of the same places I had eaten at, like at the hotel, the the restaurant at the hotel, whatever. And while we agreed on some things, like other things... I guess it just makes you realize I don't know how to say this without being a snob okay she pretty much was like well you know we don't have they don't have five-star restaurants out here like Ruth's Chris and stuff like that and I'm like wait Ruth's Chris is a five what (laughs) Ruth's Chris is not a five-star restaurant it's cool but it's not like some gourmet once in a lifetime experience it's it's an upper class chain it's it's like applebee's with some fucking frills on it it's not that's not a five-star restaurant so 
I guess the comparison level is just not there or it's different or whatever, but it just made me feel, it made me feel like the center of, I don't think it's the country. I think it's the world. I think everywhere is facing a similar issue. The center is not holding. Like the center of the system is falling apart. The the standard of quality and price is disintegrating in front of our eyes and I don't know where it goes from here but I know that paying $30 for two eggs and a piece of soggy toast for breakfast at a hotel is absurd and it never like before if you paid that it was because the hotel was really fucking nice and the food was about to be really good now you pay that just because that's the price it's like you go to the grocery store now and you're like What's it going to be this week? I don't know. Let's see what's on sale if there are any because everything is not expensive to the point where you look at it and you laugh. I mean, some things are like eggs. For example, the eggs that I like are $10 for 12 now and they used to be like five. Pasteurized eggs, some like things like that. They're, they are kind of exorbitantly more expensive, but for the most part, it's it's a tax that kind of you feel only at the checkout because it's like things are 80 cents more or a dollar 30 more something like that and you don't notice that as much when you look at the price but when you add all those 80 cents up it does it does make a difference like for example yesterday i went to whole foods and trader joe's to stock up on i've been doing so much grocery shopping lately you guys and honestly if you can I would recommend you do the same if you can. Buy things that are on sale. There are still sales. I got some really good like flank steak at Whole Foods. It was on sale, stocked up. Go to Costco if you can. Like I really believe that prices of food will get worse before they get better. Even especially with Biden saying like with gas, gas prices control the price of practically everything else because everything needs fuel to move. So with Biden saying that we're just going to have to endure high gas prices for as long as it takes, that doesn't sound like the cost of things is going to improve, okay? Plus, when you listen to farmers now who are talking about the cost of feed for something like cattle has increased three times this year. That means this year's cows cost three times as much to feed as last year's. We're still eating, however, last year's cows. So the prices haven't necessarily caught up caught up yet to what the cost of meat will be in the near future but in the near future if those retail prices are going to reflect the fact that feed costs three times as much right now you should expect to pay at least three times more for things like meat plus there's the fact that i don't know if this is true but there are some grocery stores that i think have taken some advantage of the fact that inflation is you know a common buzzword now and they're raising their prices even more so they can profit even more So it's like twofold, like the manufacturers are raising prices, the grocery stores are raising prices and all of that. And anyway, I've been doing a lot of grocery shopping (laughs) lately. I mean, not too much, but I just, I always buy extra now. And whereas before I would always try to limit myself, like I would only take a basket because I hate just big ass shopping cart, like carts or whatever. They're just so clunky and annoying to (laughs) maneuver through the store. I hate them. And maybe it's because like 
growing up, I mean, unless I went to Walmart with like my dad or something, we just never shopped that way. Like my mom always went to smaller grocery stores. I was like, was in a city. So I would never even drive really. I was always walking even like as like a young adult, I would always just go to different smaller shops to get things and just kind of get things as you need. So even now when I go to the grocery store before, I would always usually just get like a small shopping cart, like one of the handheld ones, whatever they're called. I don't know the difference between a cart and a cart, whatever. Anyway, the handheld ones, the little baskets, a shopping basket, and just fill it up with like the essentials that I'll need for the next few days or the next week. But now knowing that I'll probably go to a couple other smaller places and, you know, fill in the gaps and whatever. But now I am getting extra because I don't know where this goes And I don't want to be like some fatalistic doomsday prepper. That's really not the point. But if you just look rationally at the trajectory of where we're headed, things are going to continue to increase in price if they are available at all in some, to some, like in some regard for some products. I don't know what will not be available and what exactly will increase the most drastically, but I know that if you can afford to stock up a little bit extra right now, I think it's a good, it's a good time to do it because whether or not this monkeypox thing turns into, you know, the next pandemic or there's another, I mean, governments are already talking about how there's going to be another surge of COVID this summer and it's going to be ooh worse than the last and it's going to kill everybody. I think Trudeau just mentioned something about that. Um, Whatever happens next, there will be a time where it's like, oh shit, I need to go to the grocery store and we need food to survive for a couple weeks because we probably can't really leave our homes the way we were before. And if there's also a global food shortage and inflation, then that trip to the store, that emergency trip, like remember in the beginning of March 2020 with the beginning of the pandemic, those grocery store trips were already scary. There was already a lot of panic. And at that time, there was no global supply chain issues yet. We had yet to create those issues. And it was already scary and things were already selling out. So now we're in a bit of a chill zone. And I would really recommend trying to just gather essentials that you might need. Like think about if you had to just be in the house for a week or two And you couldn't really access. I mean, I can't really foresee that happening because I feel like there will always be Uber Eats. There's always going to be something. I mean, everything is just so accessible to us. It's really hard to picture a time where there's not any availability of things that services that we rely on that we've become so comfortable with. But you have to, I think now given everything that we've seen over the last few years, you have to kind of prepare yourself for some version of a what if. And I think a a good preparation is just like, can I just like chill in my house for a week or two with like the stuff that I have? I don't think that's being greedy. I don't think that's being a hoarder. I think that's just honestly like good advice and you should do it too if you can. But yesterday, like I said, I went to Trader Joe's and Whole Foods to get like just some basics for the week, but also like some extras, whatever. And bruh, I spent $310 on nothing exciting, nothing crazy. The most exciting thing I got was like some carne asada at Whole Foods and like some vitamins. Um, 
I don't know. I, I didn't buy anything and it cost over $300. It was like I went to Costco with a friend of mine last week and I bought basics that I thought were basics, literally like a bunch of water, some like seaweed, almond butter, like frozen salmon, you know, good stuff, but like nothing absurd. And it was like $600. So maybe I'm giving the complete wrong advice and I'm pretty much telling you to like buy GameStop stock when it was at $400 a share. But I don't think that, that this is that. And if you can't afford to stock up a little bit on some extras, I think it's a good... It's a good time to do it. And also, also, a thought that has been really ringing through my mind lately, as I haven't been working, or really not, I mean, not working in the way that I was before, which, by the way, pause on the thought that's been running through my mind, and let me get, let me get to this first, which, by the way, not working, not stripping, has been such an interesting experience for me, and it's made me realize how much I think I depended on male attention. I hate to admit this, but I will admit it. How much I depended on male attention for some sort of, not necessarily validation, but like just social interaction and like dopamine. This has been the first time in my life that I have completely removed myself from the male gaze. Like the first time in my adult life that I can remember. And while there are some nice, I mean, it's impossible to completely remove yourself. Like there will be people who still approach you. Even when I was having lunch, when I was on vacation, I was sitting at lunch alone at a table and this guy entered the restaurant to try and talk to me like disgusting, literally disgusting. I don't even really look pregnant to like the average person. I don't look like super big or anything. So I guess like he couldn't tell, but just like I'm eating lunch, like go away. But for the most part, I haven't been entertaining men. Like I'm not talking to anyone. I'm not seeking it out. I'm obviously not putting myself in a position where I'm like dancing in my underwear to try and like get, get men to like me. I, I haven't been doing any of that shit. And it's made me reflect a lot on my past relationships over the last year and what just a giant fucking disaster all of them have been. But it also has left this like feeling of I don't want to call it loneliness, but I do think like if you're listening to this right now and you're still dancing and you're still kind of living that lifestyle, I just want to say I really hope you're fucking enjoying it because it will change. And when it changes, I'm not sure it goes back. Like I already know when I'd want to get back, not to stripping. I don't really want to get back to it at all. I don't think unless I have to, I will. But like I'm not actively craving stripping but if you're in that phase of your life where there's all these guys like throwing themselves at you and paying you for your time and all this stuff honestly fucking enjoy it because god I sound so old and washed up saying this listen bitches I still know if I wanted to I could okay but truly enjoy it because there's something really fun and free about that time in your life. And when it changes, like I said, I don't know if you can go back. And if you go back, you're not going to go back with the same innocence. You're not going to go back. Like it's going to be something that 
you've done before. But when you're doing it for the first time, there's like just a purity <laughs> in it. And yeah, I mean, it's it's so strange completely removing yourself from men. And I, I think in an unhealthy way, I think there's some healthy aspects to it. Like there's a quote that I keep seeing on Instagram where it's, that says, you know, you need to fast from people too. But, oh my God, why do I keep doing this? <laughs> Someone walks by my window and I'm like, what was I going to say? Um, let me take a sip of coconut water real quick. One sec. But no, I think one of the problems when you fast from men or you remove yourself from male interactions, whether by choice or by force or, you know, whatever your situation is, if you're taking a break from dating, I think, I guess to heal, you have to go through some discomfort, some level of pain, I guess you have to like purge. I mean, even when I quit smoking years ago, there were like months after where I was just like hacking up like black shit. It was disgusting because you have to like clean out your system. So healing in general, whether it's physical or emotional or whatever, it's not pretty. It's not, it doesn't feel good to do it. It's not, that's why like healing yourself, detoxing from whatever it is, it's not pretty. It's an ugly process. And I think that's something that gets lost a lot in the conversation of just healing in general in whatever context we're talking about it in. But in terms of men, I've realized like I keep, I mean, sometimes I have days where I, I won't think about any of my exes. And I'm like, woo, look at me go. And I feel completely over it. And I really don't care. But then I have days where like something will come up and I will just like, or, I mean, let's be honest, what it is, is I allow myself, <laughs> I allow myself, I go on my Finsta and I allow myself to creep all of the people that, well, that the ones that haven't privated their accounts, there's one bitch that privated her account. I can't creep her anymore. <laughs> God damn it. This new girlfriend of this guy that I'm like, it's whatever. But anyway, whatever. Anyway, I allow myself to creep these people who, whether it's like the girl who my ex left me for, whether it's like the girl who like my ex was with before me, whether it's, you know, the girl that like I, I knew was hooking up with a guy while I was with him, like whatever it is, you know, you, we all have those girls like on the periphery of our radar and our existence that whether or not you would be friends in real life, you fucking hate each other because like, you know, the situation that y'all were both in. So, and then of course there's the guys that are, you know, you actually dated or you actually used to have feelings for whatever the case is. So sometimes I allow myself, I, I allow myself a little treat and I unblock, I go through my block because I always block them right after I watch their stories. You got to block right away because it removes your name from the story views. So I go down my little Finsta block list and I click each name and I unblock them and I quickly watch their story and then I block them again. And sometimes things come into my line of vision. I mean, I did it to myself. I went and watched their story. So I'm the one who should be mad at myself. But it just, sometimes I see shit and it's like hard to not, you you think you're over something and you realize like, it's such a strange place to be 
while you're pregnant because I mean, I really wouldn't wish this on anyone. Honestly, I would really, I, I, I can't wait for, I hope, I mean, if I ever get pregnant again, it will be with my husband. But even I think when you're married, I, I don't know if those other things ever fully go away. I don't know if it's human nature to fully let go of those other things that never really finished properly. I don't know. Some, I think, fizzle away with time. You know, you really do move on and get over things with time. But ultimately, every person occupies a different space, I guess, like in your heart, if we want to be that about it, or wherever they occupy space in your life, really. Every person occupies a different space in your life. So it's difficult to not feel like, How do I say this? I think words are very powerful and I don't want to misspeak. I don't want to speak the wrong things into existence. You get me? But as I have reflected on this shit and as I have watched these people, these women continue their relate, like, I, I mean, really continue their relationships with these men that I thought liked me before there is a joy. I'm not going to lie. When I think one of them broke up, (laughs) like there is kind of like a small victory, even though I I really am not involved at all. And it's not about me. And I know that rationally, it does bring me like a little sense of happiness when I thought, for example, that the guy who I was dating all of last year, who I made a full podcast about, it's called like emergency Emma for the streets episode who blocked me on everything for this other girl whatever. When I thought they broke up, like there was a happiness that came over me. I'm not going to lie to you. Cause I was like, yes, bitch, that's the karma you get. Like, I'm sorry. You can't like steal someone's relationship and act like, and force actually, I don't believe you can force anyone to do anything. So I'm not going to blame her for forcing him to stop talking to me as much as I did believe that's what she did at the time. He still, I mean, he still did talk to me and I really should have just told her that and it would have made her so sad, but I wanted to be the bigger person. And I just didn't even believe that, that like, I, I believe that karma would catch up to them eventually, whatever their little situation was. But when I see, like, for example, recently I saw she posted a picture with him and that they're still together and they looked so happy and the shit made me like actually sick. It made me actually feel ill to the point where I was like, what did I just do to myself? And why do I still care? And then as I continue to reflect down these other guys who like really like these two other guys who one from like that I was like hanging out with for years and then one that I just met, you know, I'm not going to put too many details into it. But anyway, as I see that they're also, you know, still with these other girls that I feel like they kind of I had this like sneaking sense that they kind of chose them over me and they're all still with them. And I'm like, you know, sitting here alone with no one else to talk to or distract me or to be into. There's this like feeling of just like a kick in the gut. It's just like a complete and total purge of these emotions that, and this fear, I think also because no woman wants to be, like the other woman, you know, nobody thinks of themselves as like being the other woman. Nobody wants to be the girl that like men always pick someone else over you. No one wants that role in the movie. 
That's not the main character. That's not the boss bitch. That's not... Nobody thinks of themselves that way. Nobody wants to think of think of themselves that way. But when you look at patterns of your dating life, like for me over the last year, and that's the pattern that seems to kind of arise now that I'm in this situation. I'm like, oh, I don't like this feeling. <laughs> this is uncomfortable. Like I wish that there was someone that was mine that would get to make this feeling go away. Like I don't, this is gross. But I guess that's just part of healing and just detoxing from relationships, which I think maybe everyone should do at some point, you know, unless you find that person. If you're still single and you're, you've been in a series of bad relationships and not necessarily even bad, but like non-committal and... Yeah, I guess non-committal is the best way I can put it. Not serious if that's what you want. Like it's just not a hundred. If you've been in a series of relationships where the person hasn't been a hundred percent into you and you find yourself in limbo constantly, maybe it's a good idea sometimes to detox from all of it and just reflect and go through the gross feelings so that they can like get out of you and you don't you don't have to feel them again. You don't have to live with them in like, in like the pit of your stomach and have them resurface, you know, when you least expect it, when you're on the couch allowing yourself to watch some Instagram stories and suddenly, boom, they're right in your face and you want to throw up. But I digress. What else is there to fucking talk about? What else is there to talk about? There were a lot of things I guess I wanted to touch on when it comes to this whole state of the world right now and the costs of things. But I think it's difficult, and this is the last, this last, last subject of the week. I think we're in a really difficult time for discourse because a lot of things, not a lot, but there is, talk about patterns, there is also a pattern of alternative theories, like things that seem or are called alternative theories in a moment, like they're pretty much branded like conspiracy theories. What am I trying to say? For example, this is just an example, and I don't want to talk about this. This is an example. <laughs> the idea before, if you said COVID came from a lab, you were banned on Twitter. Now it's accepted as fact. Like it's a it's a it's a public theory. It's some people might still discount it, but it's very much, you know, part of the theory. But last like a year ago, you couldn't say that without getting kicked off of Twitter. Now, I think that we're in a time where discourse also has become so polarized where ideas are written off quickly as like conspiracy theories really quickly. And it makes it really hard to have conversations about potential like fears or any sort of nuance that is going on. And so I find that even though I consume a lot of this media sometimes, like I do think it's interesting, not interesting. I mean, I think it's evil, 
what like Klaus Schwab or however you say his name, Klaus, Klaus, Klaus I think it's Klaus Schwab, um, the head of the World Economic Forum and the Davos Group, you know, all of these sentiments that he has of like, you will own nothing and you will be happy. And all of these elites that pretty much predict the next global disaster. I don't know if I even have anything really to say about it, but I feel the clamps of it coming down kind of more and more. I was thinking about this where I feel like the internet really changed in like 2012, 2013. You started to feel a shift of there was like a little bit less free speech. And then in 2016, you really felt it like with the election of Trump. And then now the internet that we have is completely different, completely different from the internet that I grew up with in, you know, the mid 2000s. And I was thinking about this because I'm like, my kid is going to, you know, never know life without the internet and what internet will they have? It's a very different, a very, very different version and one that is much more monitored and much more controlled than what I had. And all of these things like the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, the vaccine, like this shit is related, inflation, the alleged housing market crash that is coming. A lot of this stuff, it's not unrelated, okay? These global elites go and meet up somewhere every year. These billionaires, you have to pay, I think, hundreds of thousands of dollars minimum just to sit in the room, probably more than that, definitely more than that. And I guess, I mean, even things like crypto and Bitcoin, the stock market crashing, I just want my money to go back up again. Honestly, my house right now is the only asset I have that has increased in value. My whole stock market portfolio and my whole crypto portfolio is just completely fucked. And I was thinking about this and they keep saying the housing market's about to crash too, which makes very little sense. I mean, I I feel like it's an orchestrated crash to some extent because they are purposely raising interest rates. There are companies, there are corporate companies buying up a bunch of homes there's still a very high demand for homes. People just can't afford them. The crash feels created. But even with Bitcoin, like, do you think that Klaus Schwab and the Davos Group and the World Economic Forum, they want digital currency. They want a digital ID. That's why the vaccine in some ways, and this will be one of the only episodes I really allow myself to talk about it, but that's why it's so important. Like, it is part of potentially going to be part of this bigger digital ID that is coming. That's already being implemented in places like China, where they have a social credit score. China has a plan, by the way, to being the global leader by 2049. It's like whatever, it's, I forget what it's called, but it's their plan. They're going to be like the U.S. by 2049. That's their goal, okay? Hope it doesn't happen, but don't see why it wouldn't at this point. All of these things, every market is somehow connected to each other. But what I've realized more and more is like, do you think these people don't want digital currency? No, of course they want it. They just don't want you to control it. Like 
Klaus Schwab and all these global elites that sit around and talk about the next pandemic and how the housing market is about to crash and who own everything, they want to own everything. They just don't want you to own everything. They don't want you to own anything. They will have all of the power and all the freedom and you will have none. And I pray that whatever digital currency becomes introduced from these elites doesn't affect the rest of the crypto market or the other markets too much. But as I think about the future and like think about, I mean, I think crypto is going to continue to go down much more than it already is to some extent. Sometimes I think maybe, maybe Bitcoin can't because there's so many people who are so invested. There are so many whales who are so invested that they're not going to allow it to dip below a certain number. I mean, even a couple of weeks ago, allegedly when Bitcoin was dipping to like 17,000 or something like that, some rich ass billionaire just dumped in a bunch of money to bring it back up to 20,000 because he just could like, they couldn't afford for it to go lower. So at this point, Bitcoin is so huge that I don't know if it's possible for it to really go back to a level that it was at in like the early 2000s or 2010s. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. But at the same time, I I keep hearing of like, you know, investment experts saying that this is the time to get rich because everything is on sale and you should invest more into the assets that you believe in because everything is cheaper now. And I can't help but wonder if that's still true because it feels like the order of the world is changing. And I don't know what that means the future will look like, but I just can't imagine that it will look anything like what our past has looked like. I mean, Klaus Schwab literally has a book called, like, what is it fucking called? The, 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 the new, the, like, what is it? The Global Reset or some shit? I'm going to Google it. It's literally like the conspiracy theory line. He wrote a book about it. The Great Reset, okay? It's called the Great... Like, these people, they're not hiding it. It's, it's right there for you. The information is there. It's just not available on CNN. But anyway, I just don't know... I don't know what is safe anymore to invest in. Even the guy who predicted the um, housing market crash of 2008. What is this man's name? Once again, I will. He's the guy. He always deletes his tweets. This is the sign that it's time for me to go. It's time for me to go. Um, Michael Burry. Is that his name? Yes, Michael Burry. He is infamous for being, you know, this very contrarian investor who, even though he made his clients millions or tens of millions of dollars when he successfully predicted the housing market crash of 2008, he's the guy who they wrote the big short, that movie about, um, he keeps saying that, you know, there's an urgent warning that things are about to get much worse, that the stock market crash is only just barely beginning and that things are about to get much worse. And there's something so strange to me about Michael Burry because he deletes all of his tweets like as soon as he sends them out. So you have to have post notifications on. I feel like such a weirdo having them on. And of course, like everyone, he hasn't been right about everything. There are 
while he's been extremely right about some things that nobody could see, like the housing market crash and other global events, there are instances, I think, where he, like, was saying that, you know, something is going to go horribly wrong and it was fine. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure who to believe, but I'm also not sure what to do besides just sort of wait it out. And it feels like the safest investment currently is just holding on to your money and not spending too much of it. Because that's, I mean, that's really what inflation is. It's just like, it's just more money being taken out of your earnings without your consent. It's just like a, it's just like an extra tax. So if you can try as much as it's unavoidable, I mean, to live in the world, it's unavoidable to not spend money or pay into inflation. But if you can try to hold on to more money rather than find ways to make more, I think that it's a smart thing to do right now, if that makes sense. I mean, there is this thing also where, for me anyways, when I have been making, oh, what, why did it just sound weird? Okay. When I have been making the most amount of money that I've ever made, I've also been spending the most amount that I've ever spent. And this is a proven trend that happens when you make more money, you spend more, and then the need to make more increases and increases and increases, and you never necessarily feel like you have completely made it or you're completely comfortable because you're cost of living goes up, everything goes up. So you are caught in this hamster wheel, for lack of a better term, running and running to catch up with the lifestyle that you've created for yourself. If you can somehow find ways to scale back and step back from that and live more modestly, for me, it was honestly pretty simple. I just stopped buying designer and I just stopped shopping to be honest, like all I buy now is groceries and I pay my bills, like just basics, you know, hydro, internet, my cell phone, utilities, literally basics. And of course, like I still allow myself some fun shit. This sounds so depressing, but for right now, it feels better not because it's more exciting or more fun because it's stressing me out less because when I was making a lot but spending a lot the pressure to keep making a lot was so intense that I feel like I was really overexerting myself to make money to the point where and this is not just for stripping I'm literally talking about every profession I've ever had when I look at some of the things I've done and how I've really put myself out on the line and some of the, even the articles that I've written I'm like embarrassed, but I was just so like thirsty for success and money, I guess, that I felt like, well, you know, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Let's do it. Fuck it. Let's hustle. That was always my mentality. But I think in this time of the more money you make, always it's going to be that the more money you spend. But now the there's more money being taken out of your earnings without your consent, regardless that if you can just find ways to scale back and hold on to a little bit more of it, I think that will be better. And with all of that said, <laughs> the only thing is like summer travel. And I actually, I, you know, I have this really funny story sort of, because I think for the most of my, for the majority of my life, 
I have traveled without ever really paying for most of my trips. And I wanted to do this episode about like how to travel without spending any money. But I realized that all of my trips where I haven't spent money have been mostly flukes or because I was a journalist. Now, the way to do it would be to be a travel influencer. But how do you become a travel influencer without money to travel? It's a good question. You might have to invest a bit in the beginning to start off. But all of the other trips of like men paying for my shit. My one trip I remember to Houston that was all paid for was literally a guy that I just randomly met by the pool in Miami who just took a liking to me and... I guess the only tip I, I, I could give my former self was at the time I actually was already going to Houston. I was just going to pay for everything myself. But had I just lied and said, oh, yeah, I was going to go to Houston, too. He still would have, like, rebooked my flight and paid for everything. So maybe that's a good tip, <laughs> a good tip to leave it on. If somebody says, oh, I'm going here, just why don't it, and, you know, they're not inviting you, but it's a location that you would like to go to and you guys are kind of vibing already, just say, oh, I was planning on going there and see what they say. If they have it like that, they will probably pay for your flight and your accommodations and take you to fucking Chanel and Balenciaga. No, but this man did take me to Chanel and Balenciaga, which is crazy. I mean, he only bought me Chanel shoes. He didn't buy me a bag, but still Chanel heels. They were like $1,700 and Balenciaga sneakers, which is fun. I miss those days, you guys. I miss those days of getting guys to just take me shopping for real, but in hindsight also, even, I mean, this the one, the last guy who did that for me literally is in prison now because he was just like a giant fraud, which is insane. I had no fucking idea. And I don't even want to talk about him because he makes me sick when I think about it. But um, I'm going to have to, I'm working on my, um, my ability to read people because apparently it sucks. And I used to think it was really good. But now that I reflect more on it, I don't think it's very good anymore. But there is something so fun about <laughs> getting someone to take you shopping that I miss. I think I like it more. I think I like spending someone else's money more than I like most things in life. I think it's one of my favorite hobbies, one of my only hobbies, <laughs> to be honest with you. And I know it's I know it's frivolous. I know it's stupid, but it's kind of like I was recently introduced to this forum on Reddit called um, Rep Ladies. And it's all of these, not all, but a lot of the women on it are women who have very big collections of real designer bags. Like they have real Birkins. They have a lot of real Chanel bags. They have a very stacked collection of real designer, but they also pad it out with fake designer, which they buy from these sellers that are only on WeChat pretty much in China. It's very hard to get WeChat in America, by the way. I tried because I was like, I'm curious. I want to see. I can't get WeChat because I don't know anyone with WeChat. Um, and you need to like, because it's like fucking Chinese and they're like already going to monitor every single thing you say. Um, you need to like get a friend to add you or something. I don't know. As soon as they were like, get a friend to scan this code. I was like, I don't have any friends. So um, already didn't have any friends and can't definitely find one with fucking WeChat. But regardless, all of these women who um, are successful and, and have big designer bag collections worth tens of thousands of dollars, if not more, who also buy these fake replicas and they just say like, it's kind of a fun, like, why would I spend my hard earned money if I don't have to? And people will still think that 
it's the same thing. And because they, you know, have the real version too, if they just pad out their collection a bit, like no harm, no foul in some ways. I mean, I dream of getting to that place. That would, that would be a great place. Cause I, I, I don't know if I have things necessarily against replicas, but I do have a thing against carrying a replica when you don't have a lot of real bags and trying to pass it off as real. In a sense, I just think it looks kind of goofy, to be honest with you. I just think it looks kind of goofy that you're trying so hard to pass off something that you can't afford or chose not to like buy or whatever it is. I don't, I'm not sure I want to articulate it too much on this episode. Maybe I'll do a whole other one on that, but I feel like spending somebody else's money is kind of like buying a replica. It's like, why would I, why would I spend my hard earned money when I don't have to, when I can still get the same result, if not a better result, and if not better than at least more in the in, in the sense of a replica. I mean, you're not going to get a better Birkin than you're going to get at Hermes, but you can probably buy like 10 for the price of one. And by the way, a fake Birkin, I was researching, a good fake, a good fake is like $1,000, a good fake Birkin. So it's not cheap. It's not cheap, but it's much cheaper and much more readily available than, you know, going to Hermes which um, I have stopped trying to do that because my sales associate, uh, I think like, I, I mean, I bought a bowl, I bought a scarf, I bought a couple other small things. And I just realized that I'm going to have to spend like $40,000 that I don't have before they even let me close to a back room where they might show me a Birkin. And by that point, I'm going to be broken. I won't even be able to afford it. So that's all my friends. I will see you next week. Good luck out there.